Hi, and welcome to Podcasting 101 with Rachel. This podcast is for busy female entrepreneurs who run their own businesses and want to start a podcast or who may already have a podcast. I want to share practical information and tips on how you can get your podcast started and managing it along the way. I'll also be interviewing other female podcast hosts to give you real insight into what it's like having your own podcast. everyone and welcome to this week's episode. I have the lovely Kendall Brightman here with me today. She is a community manager from Riverside.fm. For all of you that might not know what Riverside.fm is, it is a online recording studio for podcasts and video podcasts. It's exactly what we're recording on now. <laughs> it's something, uh, a platform that I decided to invest in this year and I'm very glad that I did. So I met Kendall and we've been talking and connecting and she has very kindly decided to agree to come on the podcast and talk to everybody. We were going to have a little chat today about interview techniques, how you can be a a good interviewer for your podcast. Do you want to just uh, introduce yourself a little bit more so everyone knows a little bit more about you Kendall? Yeah, for sure. So as you said, Kendall, community manager at Riverside. And to back it up a bit, kind of why we had decided on this topic about interview questions is right now I'm working in the podcasting space. But before I got into this industry, my background's actually in journalism. So I was a television and news producer for Bloomberg and for MSNBC and Politico, focusing on political coverage But yeah, you'd be actually, I guess you wouldn't be surprised on how difficult it is to really formulate an interview when it's about politics, especially with people who have rehearsed answers or who are doing a lot of interviews or people who have never interviewed before, like a voter or something like that. So my experience as far as interviewing goes kind of kind of runs the gamut. So I'm happy to talk about any of that. And then as far as Riverside, yeah, as you said, it's a recording and editing platform for video, for podcasts, and just really is able to, because you have remote interviews, you're able to interview more people, get a diverse range of stories. And so this kind of just feels like a real, a good topic to kind of distill all of, all of these thoughts into. So excited to dive into it. I, I know I just had a little look at your your background. That's so in how did you get into in just as a little bit of a you know yeah. interesting story? How did you get into that? Yeah, so you mean get into journalism or go for yeah, kind so, of from journalism to community yeah, management? Yeah, so how how you got into journalism did 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 it go mm-hmm. from kind of like school age, college and then straight out the bat and then obviously migrating now into to this kind of space? Yeah. So I actually started as a breaking news reporter for Politico right out of college. And then as we were heating up for the 2016 election, I moved over to Bloomberg to cover the 2016 campaign. And so that was like living out of a suitcase, running around the country. We followed every campaign. So it wasn't just focused on Trump or Sanders or Clinton. We were following them all was doing that. And then after the 2016 election wrapped, move over to MSNBC to work on their 9am show for a bit and then work on a Sunday show with them for a bit. And then actually I moved because I I relocated to be with my wife. And when I did that relocation, I kind of just looked at what I wanted to do because I I didn't want to continue in journalism, wanted to try something new. At first, I thought that the natural progression would be to 
content because, you know, journalism, writing seems like a good fit. But what I kind of found was that professional writing wasn't exactly what I loved. What I loved about journalism was stories and connecting with people, having 20 conversations a day and leaving it saying, what's the story here? Like, what is what needs to be told? And I actually found that that community aspect, talking to people, understanding people's wants, needs, feelings, emotions, was actually what I loved about journalism. And so when I was approached by Riverside for a community job, it just really, it was something I never even thought of, but really just kind of fit exactly what I love and what I wanted as somebody who is a self-proclaimed extreme extrovert. So yeah, really, (laughs) really fit everything that I, that I wanted. And then, yeah. So did you do journalism at college? Did you study that and then move into? So I actually studied, I studied journalism and political science. So it really, you know, couldn't have predicted the fact that I went into political science journalism, you know? So yeah, that, that's, that was my background. And I got an an internship at USA Today while I was in college. And that really just opened the door to make connections within national reporting. Mm -hmm. So did you learn did you feel like when you compared to your college education and then going into the real life, I know that mm-hmm. they can be two completely different things because you're oh, yeah. learning about them in the the safety of the classroom, so to speak. Oh, um, yeah. And then obviously being yeah out in the wild with everybody. So how did you find that change with your interview um, skills? So were you were you um, like in front of the camera, like you were the the interviewer? So I wasn't usually in front of the camera. If I were to take, if I were to go and collect interviews, it would kind of be me with a microphone spotlighting voters or so part of it, I would kind of split it up into two different things as far as like the election. So part of it was going into the lines outside of, let's say, a Trump event and asking all of these voters about their thoughts and feelings. So they're in front of the in front of the mic. I'm behind the mic. But then there would also be the journalists that I worked with interviewed almost every presidential candidate and their campaign directors, everything like that. So the second part of the job would be sitting down with these bigger reporters and deciding the order of the questions, how to like how to pin somebody down on a certain topic, researching their background and other interviews that they've done. So it would usually fall into those two buckets, either man on the street is what we called them, or these casual or these usual sit down interviews. That sounds so fascinating. I always wanted to go into journalism when I was younger. That was one thing that I considered myself. That must have been a really great learning experience straight out of college to go and to, especially covering the elections, you've got like a, such a diverse range of candidates and people that you would be interviewing. And especially if you've you know, supporting the journalists with those kind of questions and what to ask. That must have just been quite thrilling. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I was like 23 years old helping come up with questions that we would ask Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Like it was a it was a real dream experience. But it was also cool because I came into journalism in my own way of just kind of learning through my first job. And then as you work with more journalists, you get to pick up how they form their interviews what background research they're doing. And so you kind of start to create your own method based on little pieces taken by different people. For example, when I went over to Bloomberg, one of my first tasks that I had to do was watch a ton of interviews by a news anchor, I won't say which one, (laughs) and basically figure out why they didn't love his interview style and what they would change about it. 
And so like really researching different people's styles, follow-up questions, lack thereof. And it really just trains you on what interview did I, out of those 30 interviews, which one was my favorite and stuck out to me? And then really digging into why that is. So really coming up with the method, the formula to it. That would have given you a lot of experience then listening to different people giving different information on what works the best. Exactly. I guess. You can, yeah, you can listen to the same person interview mm -hmm. with five different anchors and you'll get five different, completely different interviews. And even if they're asking the same questions, the way they ask them, the order they ask them, I would really recommend watching a bunch of different interviews and then just writing notes on what you liked, what you didn't like. It really helps create your own personalized method. Mm -hmm. well, how does that then, how did you bring that into, I know at the moment you're working with podcasters. Is there a big difference between because obviously, like, I'm not a trained journalist. I don't have those kind of interview skills. Are there a lot of podcasters that do have those types of skills? I mean, it's complete. It's different mediums. So if you are like people on TV are looking for the soundbite, they're looking for something that other news organizations will take that bite and then add in their own thing. So Bernie Sanders said this earlier on NBC, and then they play the clip. Like, that's the goal, is to get these really newsworthy sound bites. And that's also the goal in podcasting, because we want to take those sound bites and tease out our show. But it's different because you're able to dive in a lot deeper in a podcast, because people aren't watching a five-minute interview. They're sitting down, listening. It's much different than television in the way that you can just put your headphones in and just kind of kind of go about your day and have that podcast come with you through your day. So, I mean, I always find that podcasts are a medium that you're able to expand on people's personality, getting to know that person better than what you than the goals that you particularly have in a news interview. I mean, both are trying to get a story. So, there are there is some overlap, but I would say that if you're like podcasting is such a different medium that you don't necessarily need to ask questions like a journalist. But if you do frame the questions in your mind like a journalist, you might just get better interviews. They might flow differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when I first started, I was very nervous and I kept thinking of it like a big interview. And, and that's kind of like journalist thing in my head was like, oh, I need to interview this person. But obviously the type of my first podcast was called the Virtually Inspiring Podcast. So I interviewed different virtual assistants about their journey and how they got there. So it wasn't it wasn't like a hard hitting news podcast. It was a conversational one like exactly. this one is. So I kind of had to kind of reframe my mind so I didn't make myself so nervous. So what I kind of like to do is have an outline of what we're going to be talking about. But I do like to have you know, not be so rigid in in having to ask specific questions in case, you know, something comes up in conversation. You can, you know, part of listening to what, you know, your, your guest is saying and then maybe taking a slight detour to what you had originally planned. But I know for when you're first starting, that can be quite daunting to do. Have you got any kind of little tips that you could suggest to somebody who's first starting the Definitely. little things they could do? Yeah, definitely. So I would say first to touch on what you were talking about before to know your goal. So if there's some, if there, what what's the goal of this interview? Is it to really like get to know this person better, to see them in a different light? Is it to like make them more personable, like really feel a connection with your audience, or is it to get down to like how did this person go from X to Y? 
and kind of like laying out that goal will help keep you on track. And then a TV note that I have taken over to podcasting is what we'd sometimes encourage guests to do. Hosts can do this as well, is you write like three to five bullet points on what your main points are going to be, what you really want to make sure that you get to. Because then as you kind of trail off, because as we're saying, podcasts are about conversations, they wind and weave. If you have that bullet point, you could just look over it really quick and say, let's bring it back to the second bullet point. You know, I mean, you wouldn't tell them that it's a bullet point, of course, but yeah. the idea is that you have them written down so that if you feel kind of like off in a different place to be able to bring it back. And then another tip that I have is, as you were saying about thinking, listening to your guests, asking follow-up questions is so key. So come in with some questions that you want to ask. But don't get to all of them. Like, don't, we can, my least favorite type of an interview is when it feels like question, answer, question, answer, like have it flow. And the best way to do that is by asking follow-up questions. The best way to ask follow-up questions then would be like low-hanging fruit is emotions or zeroing in on a time. So how did you feel when that was all happening? Like even having that as a follow-up, were you nervous? Like that just is able to let your guest expand more on who they are, their thoughts and their feelings. Or the other one that I was just saying that's now slipped my mind, but oh, moments that you want to say, I want to really zero in on this exact moment when you went from journalism to community management, like what you just did earlier in the interview of how did that pivot happen? Like zeroing in on moments and feelings and emotions are really easy ways to follow up with your guests. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. I think that if you are nervous as well, it's easy to forget that it is a conversation as well. And I think I did. I remember feeling very bad for the first few ladies that I interviewed because I just got very like, I got lost. I couldn't remember what they said. And I'd like, oh, did I ask that question or did they answer that question? So it was quite rigid in that way and I think that's sometimes our own little downfall if we are too rigid within our own what we have our expectation of what we think the podcast interview or chat's going to be like and then yeah. versus like what it's in reality I mean like if you think about it like a conversation do you go into a conversation with your friend being like I need to ask them about how their week was I need to ask them what they ate last night you know like we we wind and weave through our conversations and so the more that you can make something seem natural the more that it's going to engage people and make people want to pop in their headphones walk through like go on their commute and listen to the conversations that you're having mhm mm so how long have you worked at Riverside now? I have been here, I believe, a bit over half a year, which fe it feels like longer just because it's been like the amount of work that we've done in the community has been a crazy amount since I joined. It's been really exciting. But yeah, apparently, apparently <laughs> only a half a year. <laughs> it's amazing. I think since COVID that it feels like a weird time suck. I can't remember like, was it this year, that year? I think it's like changed my perception on how I'm viewing time. Oh, same. But, um, how have you felt like the shift between journalism and doing the community manager? I know you said that you moved countries as well. And mm -hmm. was that a big impact on what you, on, on how you worked, how you felt within your role? Yeah. I mean, when you're a journalist, like it's, 
every day or all your work is kind of like cut out for you in a way that I would like, I need a story filed by this time and this date on this topic. Or I go around and ask a bunch of different people questions and then I pitch. I want to write a story on why voters are driven by X and then kind of making a, a story out of that. I know the deadline. I know the date. Community management is a new, like, it's not new in the way that it's always been around, but for it to be a role and for it to be something that marketing that we're focusing on is new in the industry. And so every community manager that I speak to does things differently based on the community that they're managing. So my, it's less cut out for you and more like, okay, I talked with, instead of, 20 different voters, I talked with 20 different community members, I think that they all would really benefit from X, you know, and from there creating kind of out of thin air, like, okay, let's create a program about this. Let's create a guide about this, a webinar. So it's a lot more getting to exercise your own creative mind on thinking like, what does my day look like? What, how do I accomplish this? So definitely that was kind of the hard part for me when I started because I'm used to it being very clear on expectations and output. And with community management, it's just like the cool part about it is the flexibility of it. Yeah. So you've not got those kind of strict set things that you have to achieve in, in like the way you would in journalism and news. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's build a build a community that creates value for people and engages people. And it's like, okay, so how do I do that? Is it like, let's try this. Let's try that. It's a lot. <laughs> that's such it's a, a big question. How do you do, yeah. how do you build a community? Because that's, it's, it is something that we're told over and over again in our marketing and, and everything. This is what you need to do. You need to find your community, build a community. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, I think it's very easily said, but what if, and if you're the one leading that community, hoping to bring in these people to have this you know, meeting of whatever, you know, of, of podcasters or of whatever you want to achieve with your community. So my friend Sarah and I have started a podcast community as well. We have called the West Midlands Podcast Club. Nice. And we, I think, well, we have about 70 members now and we do like That's a awesome. regular meetup, but we have a Slack channel that we kind of like as, as our chosen kind of like to communicate in. And that's something that, I'd like to increase the engagement and things like that mm -hmm. within those kind of channels. And just, it's more just about wanting to connect with other podcasters or aspiring podcasters and just talk about yeah. podcasting. Is that kind of like, like your aim within your Riverside communities, talking with podcasters? Is it, is that, is that kind of feeling that you can, you know, you just want to talk about everything that we come up against as podcasters or podcast hosts and, how we want to move forward with our podcasts and things like that. Yeah. So actually, I would say that there's not like one size fits all for every community. But when I said before about journalism and the way that you collect a bunch of stories and then figure out what's the story behind it, that would be my number one recommendation. When I first started at Riverside, I spoke with a ton of different community members and I came in thinking, okay, like I'm from journalism. We, we like, we're driven by networking and making connections because that's kind of your currency in, in that world. So I came in thinking people want to network and make connections. 
But then when I started digging deeper into it and listening to people's stories and listening to what they want, it seemed like they wanted to make those connections in order to learn or get inspired or have somebody to ask their questions to. Or as Riverside's a remote recording platform, you know, it can be lonely when you're remotely recording all of the time. So community in that way, I decided for this community was going to be focused on learning, making you a better creator, but also making you feel heard by the product. So it's kind of like a flowchart in the way that we're giving learning opportunities, a chance to connect with other creators virtually, in person, those types of opportunities to make you a stronger creator. And then they give back feedback, things like that, so that we can improve the product. And then we give back to them, hey, we saw that you wanted the ability to edit your transcript. Now it's available. So it's about feeling like they're learning and they're being listened to. Those are my two kind of like L takeaways. So I would say for communities, finding what people from your community would actually want and benefit from. So if you're a, are you going to want, like, are these people driven by wanting to connect with each other about the podcast? Or are they driven by wanting to connect with like everyone share a recipe today? What's mm-hmm. something that like trying to figure out what makes them, what drives them to be part of a community. And then my little pro tip is if you have a community for your podcast, I would mention it in your podcast from now and then. So I would say, oh my gosh, we had the funniest conversation over in the community group where one of the one of our members, Sarah, said this. And the listeners, if they love your podcast, now they think I'm missing out on half the conversation. There's a whole conversation I didn't hear. I need to go listen. So that would kind of be my tip for driving people to your community if if it's based off of a podcast. Oh yeah, I I love that. That's a, that's a really good idea. Yeah, the the community's not directly about my podcast, but my podcast is about helping women in business get started with their podcast and the communities for everybody who either wants to start a podcast already has one, you know, it's for all levels. And I would say based on what a lot of people have said within the community and what we've had those conversations is is about that people want learning mm-hmm. uh, mainly like a lot of about growth or tips on how to get started you know what do you use for recording and editing and and some marketing and promotional things so i think exactly. learning learn i mean connection i think because you're right it is it is lonely when you're recording you know remotely as fantastic as it is and i think it is so fantastic that we can record remotely especially with this software and if you want to do video it's so easy if you wanted to do a two person interview in a studio with video you know you'd have to have two cameras and all of those kind of things set up to make it look much slicker so i think this is such a fabulous way to do it but yeah it is it is nice to speak to other people who are in the same boat as you it's always nice to know that someone feels the same as you whatever that kind of feeling is yeah so yeah and i would also say when you're talking about women in in business and entrepreneurship i mean it can be intimidating for people to start a podcast but i always encourage people like to hop on riverside and just record a meeting that they're having and even that is just content. Just like if you're a CEO logging on with another like C-level like person at your company and just pressing record and just talking for 30 minutes, like that can even be your podcast. 
So just like not being afraid to just hit record and see how it works out because podcasting can seem intimidating. But when you have software like Riverside and you could just press record and have your meeting, there's so many little pieces of content that you could even take out of it beyond a podcast. Maybe it's for social. Maybe it's you can download it and send it out internally to your staff so they get a little bit of FaceTime and hear from you. So there are a bunch of different ways to repurpose content, repurpose video, audio, all of that, that can really drive your business goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love repurposing. I mm-hmm. think it's so valuable to be repurposing. My, one of my friends, Hannah, who I also manage her podcast for her, she does like six months of content. She bulk kind of batches. <laughs> she has these t-shirts that say, batch it crazy it's really great I love oh I love it I know it's so great I need to get some of her merch but she's got a podcast called the showing up solo podcast which is aimed at solopreneurs um who want to get started with their marketing but don't know where to start they might have started in business so she's kind of like that ground up marketing but she kind of has like a really great method about turning like getting every last little bit of gold dust out of your content so you know you're recording a video So you've got it for a video, you can have it for a podcast, you can have it for a blog, you break it down into your social media captions, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, all of those types of things. You can use like, like rinse it for every bit of content that you can. And then a lot of it is evergreen because you, you know, unless you are a daily news podcast, you are creating content that's going to be relevant for your audience, depending on what, you know, at what point they're joining you in their journey where they are exactly so, yeah big big on repurposing I like to because I think it's so easy to forget especially if you are a solopreneur you're a business owner and you, you know there's a lot of pressure with marketing and coming up with content ideas that you have a podcast episode great it's gone out and then that's like the last the last it's ever heard of and it's such a shame because you've created spent so much time creating that episode that you know, people still want to hear that conversation. People still want to hear that advice you have to give. And then, you know, having the opportunity to to share that again and again is is really valuable. Yeah. And yeah, and what I do love about Riverside at the moment is those magic clips that they do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of them are a little bit off. Like I haven't got them all, but I think I always ask it to do them and then I go through them. I tweak them sometimes, but it makes my audiograms a lot quicker with the magic clips. Yeah, I mean, so the magic clips is just like AI identifying the mm-hmm. most engaging moments from your episode. And so it's really like I found a, like when I do webinars for Riverside, I find that it's like it does it pretty, pretty well. Like it identifies like some moments that I even forgot about and makes it so much faster to really like take these clips to put repurpose on social media. But, you know, it's a it's yeah. a robot. So I yeah, take I know. some I mean, comfort in the in the fact that it hasn't completely taken over my creative <laughs> brain yet. But you know, it's just a matter. It's just a matter of time as it refines. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Well, I'm just amazed at some of the things that AI can do, and it does make it so much easier. I mean, I I tend to listen back. So when I'm doing my editing process, I will when I edit my episodes, I will take notes and you know make little timestamps of where I might like to have an audiogram and things like that. But then having those magic AI, like you mm-hmm. said, sometimes it pulls up those clips so easily that I, I will, you know, listen to them and make sure that they're the point that I want to get across. But and it names them as well. And I find that so handy. It just it just makes the whole process a lot slicker and a lot quicker. I think that's what we should be with AI, not worried about it about it kind of 
stealing our jobs, but in terms of helping us support with our clients and with our with our own work, that it can just help us get things done quicker. You can get a lot more output if you people want more output. You could create, you know, twice as much stuff for people if you wanted to. So mm. I just think it's I've been playing around a lot with AI and I've just found it really, really quite interesting. And I, I use Descript and they've got some new AI tools and it has a lovely one that sums it all up for you. And I thought, oh that's it was so good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Well, you know, well, maybe we have we have something coming up as well on that Ooh. front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I did see that because do, you do have the transcription as well. There's so much you could do with the transcription too. Mm. I mean, like you yeah. can also like once you have the transcription, you can use that to create show notes. You can use that to create bios or social media posts, anything like that. So it's cool. I would say that I'm less like, oh, AI is coming for the jobs and more thinking that as I'm as we're trying to continue to be valuable in this market, that knowing how to use AI and leverage AI is just a really important skill to be able to have right now. And it's not that hard. It just once you actually get the use the once you actually get used to it, you can really leverage that to be able to say like, I can get my work done faster. I'm able to, I know how to train an AI bot. I know how to like, to be able to show all of that just, I think helps in the market now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's where the technology is going at the moment and trying to kind of keep up with, you know, what's happening within the industry, whatever industry that you're in and obviously for here podcasting. But I think that, yeah, it's, it's such, it's such a big influence at the moment. And I think kind of just backing away from it is not, not really going to do you any favors doesn't mean you have to if you don't enjoy using it but I think just giving it a try because I I hadn't tried chat GBT it was a few months ago now and I was on my friend Hannah's podcast and we were having a conversation about AI and another lady that was on the podcast as well she was she's a Squarespace expert and she was talking about how she has a conversation with her AI and she says please and thank you and things like this oh I do the same thing yeah, I'm like, if I they're going to come that. take my job, I'll be nice to them in the meantime. I literally yeah. say, will you please sum up this? I was doing a, a webinar and I wrote like, please sum up this. And somebody in the, the chat said, do you have to like say please and thank you? And I was like, no, that's just me. <laughs> I've said I've started to say please and thank you, but it seems it feels he goes, Oh, you're welcome and does all the replies to you. But I I hadn't originally thought about it as a conversation. I thought about it as you, like a Google search kind of putting mm-hmm. it in. But when started thinking about it as a conversation about trying, you know, like I, I put in a transcript and then say, you know, could you turn this into this or could you pick out some highlighting points and things? And it just it just seemed to click for me. And it felt like I could just, with that conversation, get what I would like out of the AI to Mm -hmm. to help support you rather than thinking that, you know, it's just a know-it-all and it's going to tell you what to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so don't be afraid of AI. Give it a try. (laughs) Exactly. Give it a try. Give it a try. Well, it's been so great talking to you today, Kendall. Do you have any last little thoughts to anyone who might be starting a podcast or maybe, you know, the benefit of maybe joining a community like you host at Riverside to help, you know, with your podcast and and, and the learning aspect there? 
yeah, I'll do a two for one and say that if you're looking to start a podcast, I really would recommend it. I'm not just saying this because I'm the community manager of this group, but on Facebook, Conversation Creators by Riverside.fm. That is the community group. We have a, like over 12,500 creators on there. And it's just there. Every question has been asked. I mean, you can probably find some that haven't been asked, I'm sure. But and ask them yourself. But people are really what I find really amazing about this community, not just Riverside's, but in general, the podcasting community, is that people, unlike journalism, are really, really willing to help. Like having your sources in journalism is like very, that's your currency. And so here in podcasting, I found that people are really willing to share what equipment they're using, how they're coming up with better questions, all of that. So not being afraid to ask. There are no stupid questions. There are tons of people who are willing to help. Find a podcaster that you like. Find a podcast that you like. Find somebody on social media that you love what they're posting. And see this. try to reach out to them and ask them questions. Or go on to our community group that I mentioned. And there are just a ton of creators who are willing to answer questions, help each other out. And it's inspirational. You get to see what other people are working on, see what's working, get uh, constructive criticism. So I would say in this industry, leveraging communities is key. And I would also take it a step further. If you have a podcast about a certain topic, I mean, we all, that's what you're podcasting about. I hope there's a topic. Joining other communities to try to get inspiration from them. So if we have a health and wellness podcast, joining these health and wellness communities seeing what people are talking about, getting inspired by that. So using the power of community to inspire you and also learn from people, I would say is a great first step. And I hesitate using the word first step because you can kind of just keep stepping back to it, you know? So that's what I would recommend. Thank you. That's that's great advice. And um, we will leave all the links to to that in the show notes so you can find that easily. Also, we'll pop in um, your LinkedIn there if people would like to get in touch with you and have a conversation with you after the podcast. I would love that, really. If anyone wants to reach out, please do. We'll put the link in the show notes. But I love to have these conversations, learn more about what you're working on, find ways to collaborate. I mean, that's the way that that we met each other. So I would, I really welcome it and would love to continue the conversation there. Yeah, it's been great connecting with you. And yes, I contributed to the guides um, that Kendall mentioned for the community guides, which was, I was a very, I felt very honoured to be asked and it was really exciting. So I'm, I'm hoping that they're going out to uh, help somebody. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to release them. So basically these are just got, I found that Everyone watches YouTube videos and ha makes their own list of all the things they need to do when they're first starting out. But we're kind of just distilling information into easy to use guides. And that was what when we were talking earlier about trying to figure out little ways to entice people in the community and actually get value out of it. So that was one of the first ways that we had identified was just creating, like sharing information in an accessible way through these guides. Mm -hmm. So really excited to have worked with you on that. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah, so I look forward to to looking at some of the other guides that are out there as well. Yeah. We got a lot of cool ones on podcast monetization. We got a checklist for promoting on social. I just finished working on one for a like a release form, 
like a templated release Ooh. form if people need that, just copy and paste. So those kinds of things, we're trying to cover really every step of the podcasting journey in some sort of guide. They sound really valuable. When they're all released and everything, you'll have to let me know and I will, of course, share it with everybody here as well. Um, so everyone can ha- find those and have a look and see what they need from them. Absolutely. I'd love that. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, Kendall, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to connect with me or get in touch, then head on over to my website. If you liked the episode, then I'd love it if you could leave me a review in your chosen podcast app. Your feedback is much appreciated. See you next time.